Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. into a store, I'll find the best thing there and walk out with that. I'm not worried about what may be in another store. I'm not worried about what may be in another place that I haven't maybe researched or thought about. If this looks like the thing that I like, the thing that I need, the thing that looks good on me or something that I can use and it seems to fit the circumstances, I'm just going to go with it. And then I married someone who is not like that. (laughs) We have to visit every store. We have to make sure we do all the research. We have to make sure that we are not leaving any, any store unturned. Like every store must be checked. Otherwise, we cannot purchase it. And even then, there's always this sense that maybe we're still paying too much and that we need to wait for when there's a sale. And then she enters into conversations with the salespeople trying to figure out when these items are going to go on sale. And then I have to wait and wait, and then she's like turning her into her bestie before she can get this information. So this takes time. So if she has to go back three times to the same store until she makes friends so that she can div- this person will divulge the info, then we can then be assured. And then after all that has happened and it's still sitting in her house and whatever else, it's on her body, in her closet, she'll then say, I don't know if this is like the best one I could have gotten. <laughs> I don't know if this is the best price. I think, I don't know, maybe I, we didn't, I don't think I even needed this after all that. Yeah, it's been tough being married to her, um, but that's not... <laughs> what this message is about. Um, But if you have time, you know, pray, pray, pray for me. (laughs) There's this thing about always searching for better. And, And some of us have like this intense, intense sense of FOMO, fear of missing out. Like we just have it big time. And when someone else is somewhere else that we declined to be at, we, we still want to know what's happening there. We want to make sure that even though we didn't show up, that they're not having a good time because we're missing out on being there. I don't know if you're the type of person who even has like a great thing in your life, a great person with you, doing life with you, sacrificing for you, and yet you're always searching for something better. I don't know what it is about us, but sometimes we we look at the people that are in our lives and we just think there's got to be better than this. We have a friend, a good friend, someone who's there for us, and we just, we pray, Lord, send us a better friend. We, We have someone to do life with who's supporting us, encouraging us, putting up with our garbage, and then we say, Lord, send me someone who can I can do life with. 
Sometimes the person's already with us. Sometimes they're not. But there's this thing that we may have, which is about always searching for something better. I think the, the people of Israel had this big time. I mean, they had this problem, and it was so evident in their lives that, that they just couldn't shake it. They couldn't get rid of it. Even after 40 years, they couldn't get rid of it. At the end of 40 years, none of them even made it into the promised land. It was only the generation that had been born in the desert that got to go in, but the ones who actually got out of the slavery and were supposed to inherit the promise, they never saw it. Because they were always unsatisfied. And I, I know that in this life, we're going to walk through it unsatisfied. This, this life is not meant to satisfy us. It, it isn't. It, 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 we're supposed to be grateful for it, and we're supposed to find ways in which we can derive satisfaction from the simple pleasures of this life, but it isn't going to fulfill us the way that God intended because we're in a fallen, broken place, and we're fallen, broken people, and, and we're trying to do life with other fallen, broken people, and so we're never going to find ourselves fully satisfied and fully living out life the way that we might have imagined. So there's always gonna be this yearning for more. And I think that yearning for more needs to be directed differently. And sometimes it, we just keep directing it to the things that we think are going to satisfy us. And we keep doing that and then we realize those, those things are not helping us, they're just actually making things worse. They're not making my life better and they're not making it more meaningful. They're not making it that it's more peaceful. I don't feel like I'm more grateful. What I am is someone who is now struggling just as much as I did before. I began to pursue this and try to have as much of this as possible, thinking that it was gonna satisfy me. In Numbers 11, there's this story where Moses says, he, there are 600,000 people standing around me. And you say, I'm going to give them enough meat to eat for a month. And he says, if we killed all the flocks and herds, he says, that would not be enough. He says, if we caught all the fish in the sea, that would not be enough. But the Lord has to then speak to Moses and say these words, do you think that I'm weak? Now will you see if I can do what I say? And so I just want to stop there for a second because I think most of us in this room feel that God is weak. I know we may not say it, but I think we live it like that. I think we go around behaving like God is weak, like he cannot meet the need that we have. And if this is my mindset, if this is the paradigm that God has to destroy so that I can experience a breakthrough, then I need him to do it right now before we go any further. Because the first thing I need to do is I need to confess that I think this way, that I live this way, that this is in my heart, that I, I actually believe that God can't do it. Because my need is so great, there's no way that he could possibly come through. And so, 
Moses is having the same battle, and it's shocking to me that it's Moses. I, I accept that it's the Israelites because we've heard them complain, and we've heard them do this over and over again, but I'm shocked that it's Moses. Moses, you're the one that's doubting God after everything that, he's, that you've done? And you know what's amazing about this is that God, in his life, had to give Moses belief. But everyone in this room, we all have to have faith that God did what he did in Moses' life. You see, when you witness something, you believe. But when you're not there to witness it, that takes faith. And so when it's believing, Moses believes because God keeps showing him that he can do it. But now that it takes Moses to have faith, he doesn't have it. Do you see what's happening here? See, I'm the same way, I think you are too, where God shows up in our lives and then we believe because we experience something. But when we have an experience and we can't experience it because of our mindset and because we believe that God is just too weak, we just reveal that we don't have enough faith. And I don't want to be a person who walks around like, like Moses in the story thinking that I, I just don't have the faith that it takes to experience the breakthrough that I need. And so Moses then goes out to the people and then he, he tells them what the Lord has said. And he says, you know, this is what God has said. He said he's going to give us the meat. And he says, I want you to gather the 70 elders. I want you to bring them together. And then I want you to have them stand around the tent. And the tent is the, is the tabernacle. It's the meeting place of God. And remember, they're, they're a nomadic society right now. They're all living in tents. And the temple hasn't been built. So they formed a tent as the place where God is. And what's interesting about the tent is that it's the center of the camp. And all the tribes have to camp around them. The, the tabernacle. And there has to be three tribes to the north and three tribes to the south and three tribes to the east and to the west. And what happens in the story is that they all have to be facing the tent. At all times, they have to be looking towards the tabernacle. And so when Moses performs this next announcement and, and, and miracle, he's making sure that all the people are facing the tent. Because it isn't going to happen by God's, uh, by Moses' hand, it's only going to happen by God's hand. And so then in verse 25, it says, the Lord came down in the cloud and he speaks to Moses. And then I love this part. He took some of the spirit that Moses had and that he gave it to the 70 leaders. And with the spirit in them, they began to prophesy, but just at one time. And then there were two men that were named Eldad and Medad, who were also listed as leaders. And they did not go to the tent, and they stayed in the camp. But the spirit was also given to them, and they prophesied in the camp. And then a young man ran to Moses and said, Eldad and Medad, are prophesying in the camp. And then Joshua, who was the young man, son of Nun, said, Moses, my master, you have to stop them. Ever since he was a young boy, Joshua had always been Moses' assistant. But Moses, in this moment, responds in a way that's kind of unexpected. He says, 
are you jealous for me? Talking to Joshua. I wish all the Lord's people would prophesy. And I wish that the Lord would give his spirit to all of them, not just to the 70. And then Moses and the leaders of Israel went back to the camp. And what's interesting is that in this story, they were always searching for more. And we know that the story is about them not having what they want, which is, in this case, meat. And God has to change a migration of birds, and he allows them to end up in this camp, and then it's three feet deep. And we looked at this last week, and, and even as why some of them who had not prepared themselves were eating it, God gave them a disease and a plague, and the people who had not made themselves right before God, before eating this meat, then those people died, and they buried them in what they called graves of gluttony. And so what the story reminds us is that it's possible for us to experience breakthroughs, but then because of our lust for greed and because of our gluttony, that we can miss out, even in God's provision, His blessing. That even what we're gorging ourselves on isn't going to be enough to satisfy us. But the story that we just read says, but we could fill ourselves with something different. I want you to think about that for a second because what is it that I need to be filled with if I'm not going to be filled with, with my hopes and dreams, my aspirations, my goals? And listen, I'm, I'm a guy who, who's a goal setter. I'm a person who reviews those all year round. I, I have a, a board of overseers and we talk about the goals that we have for this community of faith. We oversee those goals and we make sure that we're on track, that we're doing the things that we set out to do. And every month we review those things and make sure that God is still telling us to do the same thing. Or maybe he wants us to pivot, make a change, go in a new direction. Just because we know that we can sometimes set out goals at the beginning of the year that God clearly isn't in and maybe clearly the people aren't supporting and maybe clearly we made a mistake. And we've got to be humble enough and we've got to be deliberate enough to be able to admit those things. Not every goal I set for myself is one that I need to pursue wholeheartedly. Not everything I've written down is going to be done with the right motivation. It's not always going to be done with the right intention. I think it is, but then I can also come to the realization that maybe that wasn't the case. Has that ever happened to you? You had good intentions, but you didn't have the right motivation. And what happens in the story is that God says, there's a way for me to ensure you don't get lost along the way in your search for something better. I can take the spirit that was in Moses and I can put it in 70 other leaders. And what he's saying is that I can take that spirit and not just leave it in Moses, but I can put it in all of you. The scripture that Iris read at the beginning was the story of Jesus talking to his disciples about what it looks like to remain in him just like he remains in us. And when we remain in him like he's remaining in us, it produces fruit. There is evidence of that. And what God is saying is that Jesus, when he left, he was able to blow air on his disciples and say, receive my spirit, because he wasn't going to leave them empty. The same spirit that was given to those elders is the spirit that Jesus has ensured has been given to us. He remains in us. His presence is with us. 
And now you can prophesy. Now, when we think of prophesying, I, I think that we need to understand that prophesying is about declaring that and seeing that which has yet to come. And when we're thinking about searching, when we're thinking about seeing our life in the future, I know there's people here who have a, who have a one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan. Some of you have mapped out your whole lives. You're, you're in a career setting right now. Maybe some of you are still in the educational setting. Some of you are in a job to pay the bills, but you've got another vision for your life. You're in a place, but that's not where you want to be. You want to be someplace else. I want to tell you this, that when the Spirit of God comes in you, you can prophesy not just over others, you can prophesy over your own life and your own future. You can see things with clarity that you otherwise would not have. You would be able to declare over your own life what God has promised. And what happens when you live that way is that you finally start to live a life of purpose. And it doesn't matter if you're in a transition. It doesn't matter if you're in a season of your life where it's a desert. It doesn't matter if it hasn't rained. It doesn't matter if you're always eating the same thing. You know because of the Spirit of God that is in you, that you have a prophecy for the future that is greater than anything that you are living right now. And God wants to give that to you. doesn't want to hold back on you. He wants to bring people into your life who can also do that for you, bring you confirmation. And then all those things are going to line up with Scripture because that's the standard. That's the authority of God's Word that has to be through which we understand all things and can trust all things. In Numbers 11, the question comes up, what are we going to fill ourselves with? Now, they wanted meat, but God wanted to give them the Spirit. You see, they, they wanted something for their flesh, but God wanted to give them something for their future. They wanted something that was going to satisfy their lust and their gluttony, but what God wanted to do was give them something that was going to give them so much more. It was going to fulfill every promise, every dream, every imagination, every thought of what a, an amazing life would be like. He says, I'm going to give you that instead. And so I'm going to give you what you need. You guys are craving meat, but what you should be craving is my spirit. And I just want to give you a glimpse of what that looks like. And so he takes a little bit, just a little bit out of Moses. I don't know how Moses felt about that, but he seems, he seems okay. And he doesn't seem to be weakened by it. He seems to be fine with it. And, and a little bit of that was in Moses. Now it gets distributed. It gets given out to other people. And to me, that tells me that, that God doesn't just have a Moses. But he's got leaders, and he's got leaders in this room to whom he wants to give his spirit. Are you one of those leaders this morning? Are you one of those people that he can give that spirit to? So you can go out and prophesy that you can be filled with the spirit instead of gorging yourself on meat that's going to make you sick? It's going to lead you to a grave that is named a grave of gluttony? I don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you either. And the Bible says in verse 33, that they were gorging themselves on the meat. And even while it was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord just blazed against the people. It's because they, 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 they chose the lesser thing. They, they chose the thing that they didn't need instead of the thing that they should have had. 
You know, sometimes I, I, I see bad things happen in my life, and it's not because God isn't with me. It's because I don't have his spirit in me. See, see God was in the camp. God was with them. They were all facing the tent. But the problem was, even when you're facing the tent and God is in your midst, if you don't have his spirit, what you're going to do is you're going to end up gorging on meat that brings disease. And even while it's still in your mouth, it's going to be killing you when all along what God just wanted to do was fill you so you could prophesy over your own life and your own future and give you the promises that he said he would. Man, I, I just don't want that to be us. I just don't want that to be you. And the Bible says that we're in a place where we are never satisfied. We're in a place where we're going to end up uh, in graves of gluttony because we are people that just don't have enough of his spirit. And so he wants to pour that spirit over your life. He wants to pour that into your life. And the people in this desert experience, they just keep choosing what God couldn't satisfy. And so Proverbs 30, look at this verse. It says this in verse 15 to, um, and 16. It says there are, greed has two daughters. And they're named give and give. And there are three things that are never satisfied. Really four that never say, I've had enough. And then he goes on to list them. The cemetery. And the childless mother means the barren womb. It means a woman who wants to have a child, but can't. The land that never gets enough rain. The land just keeps soaking it up. And fire that never says, I've had enough. Now, now the reason it's written this way is because God wants us to pay attention. So he says, there's, there's three things I want to tell you. And then he says, no, there's actually four. And it's like, pay attention to how there are things in this life that are never satisfied. And he's saying, can you maybe identify with one of these things? And in the story that we read, some of them ended up in the grave. Some of them ended up dying, right? They, they ended up in the cemetery because they were never satisfied. They're in the desert. And so when you're in the desert, you can never get enough water. In fact, they were always clamoring for water. And we know that the people of Israel are a people who put their faith in God that even when their wombs could not bear children, they did so. We saw that in the story of Abraham and Hannah and even later on in Zechariah and Elizabeth. These were stories in which a barren womb was able to produce. And then there's the fire. And it's interesting because what God was doing in the desert with his people is that he was, by day, they were following a cloud, and then at night, he was leading them by fire. And there were moments in which it was safer for them to travel by day, and there were moments in which it was safer for them to travel by night, and God was the one 
who determined the itinerary, and he's the one who determined when it was time to move. And when God moved, the people moved. When the cloud moved, they started to break camp, and they would follow the cloud. And when the fire moved, then the people would follow the fire. And, and God is saying that he is also described in the scriptures as a consuming fire. But, but his purpose to consume is to get rid of all that which is impure. It is it's to get rid of all those things that are garbage and then leave only that which is of benefit. And so, God is saying, I don't want your choices to declare that I am better off without you. And so when we choose things that are never satisfied, it's going to be like us choosing one of these four things, the grave, the womb, the land, or the fire. When we don't choose what God has to offer us, then we're never going to be satisfied. Something's always going to leave us incomplete. In Proverbs 27, 20, it says this, that just as death and destruction are never satisfied, it says, so human desire is never satisfied. In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. But when we love the wrong things, when we pursue the wrong things, it's going to leave us empty. And we're going to be like those four things, the grave, the womb, the land, and fire, never satisfied. But God says that if we can make this change, then we're going to be different. How many of you in this room love a whiny toddler? Anybody? How many of you have been a whiny toddler in your life? And I'm not just talking when you were, you know, from between one and two, maybe three. I'm talking about now as a grown person, as a grown adult. Sometimes we still walk around like whiny toddlers. Ever, ever meet another whiny toddler as an adult? Ever been one? How fun is it to be with a whiny toddler? How long can you last with a whiny toddler, even when it's your best friend? Not long. Even when you're married to them, not long. You, you just can't. You, at a certain point, you just want the whining to end, right? Or you're ready to end them. Isn't it true? It's just, it's just like that. And so, and so God knows that we can be like whiny toddlers. And so he says, well, here's how you can not be a whiny toddler. Do you want, do you want to hear his, his way of, of, of not being one? It says, here's, here's some things that you can do. Number one, I want you to choose to desire the right things. Now, the way we choose to desire the right things is that we always go for the things that are of, of God and of the Spirit and not of the flesh, just like the Israelites kept doing. They kept trying to satisfy their hunger and their thirst through earthly means instead of seeing who God was and what He could offer them. And so the first thing we need to do is we need to deny ourselves the wrong things. Now, I, I, that list is different from all of us. Like, it's, it's, some things don't have the same bearing and the same effect 
on you like they do on somebody else. And, and I've seen people like be really strong, like animate, like saying, like, this is, this is wrong, this is forbidden, this is evil, this is sinful. And I've seen other people just kind of be like, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I see you're really passionate, but I just don't feel the same way about it. And, and these are often happening in things that are like considered like gray areas, where, where, where you have freedom and flexibility, where, where you can do things in moderation, where God gives you permission, but it's not always going to be something that is going to be beneficial. And, and if you partake in it too much, then yeah, it can have a, a, a devastating effect on you. You don't actually know what you could get addicted to. You don't know the impact that this could have. You don't know what this could do to you over time. You just don't know. It may be okay for someone else, but maybe not for you. And so then when it's someone who's gotten free of it, sometimes they can be like really like in someone else's face saying, no, you've got to stop this because they received that correction in their own life. They've received that teaching for themselves and they know that they can indulge in it not even a little bit because if they do, then that's it. Like they turn into the worst person, uh, the worst version of themselves. But you have to just know that if you deny yourself the wrong things, it always makes room for the right things. And so God says, I want you to pursue the right things and I want you to pursue them in the right way. And so the right things are always made clear in the scripture. They, they're things that don't harm you and they don't harm other people. So even if you don't know what it is, you just ask yourself this question. Is this going to harm me? And is this going to harm another person? If it doesn't harm you and it doesn't hurt and harm someone else, then you're okay. But here's what happens. A lot of us do the things that harm us and we don't care if it harms other people. And when we do these things without realizing it, we're leading ourselves onto a path that is never going to satisfy. Here's the third thing. Live to please God instead of yourself. If you make a decision to put God before everything else, then you're going to be in a position to want to do things for other people, even if it feels like you're the one who's not going to benefit, but that's okay because you look at it from this standpoint, like I do in my life every day. When I serve others, when I do this for the benefit of others, I know that God is still taking care of me. There is no way that I can take care and sacrifice for others without knowing that God is going to take care of me anyways. So I'm never worried about what I'm giving out and what I'm giving away and what I'm doing for other people and the sacrifices that I'm making. Sometimes I can be burdened by that. Sometimes I can be tired from that. <laughs> there are times when I can even be <clears throat> frustrated by that. But I'm never ever worried about it because I know that God is always going to take care of me. And he's promised to do the same for you. And this is what it says in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Look at it. It says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Are you guys content? Do you feel content in your life? 
You know, one thing about weddings that I really love is um, when, when they take out the, 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 the bubbles. Um, whenever they start to blow the bubbles at a wedding ceremony, I, I just love it. I don't know what it is. Maybe because sometimes I'm a whiny toddler, but I just like bubbles. Anybody else like bubbles? I have some. You want to see what, see what they do? Look at that. There's one, right? <laughs> Who's content with one bubble? Anybody? No, who wants to see one bubble? If you want to see bubbles, right? <laughs> we want to see bubbles. Look at this. Bubbles. There's something wrong with this bubble maker. My wife kept this from the last wedding. Dang it, dollar store stuff. <laughs> Look at this. this I, I envision this stage filled with bubbles. In a, I'm, I'm getting nothing here. <laughs> nothing. This is terrible. I need, I need a professional bubble blower. Anybody who's a professional bubble blower? <laughs> I don't know, I feel like sometimes contentment is like kind of chasing bubbles. I, I, I don't know what it is about not feeling satisfied, but it sometimes feels like I'm just chasing bubbles. They're beautiful. They're ethereal. They're, they're magical. They look like they're not of this earth. They change the atmosphere, the, the visual of those bubbles just floating around you, and you're walking in through them, and and you're just like, wow, look at this. It just changes everything. And then they're just gone. And they're just like sometimes a, a greasy mess on a floor you have to wipe up. And, and I feel like sometimes that's how we're pursuing things, you know? It's how we're like living our life. We're living our life searching for something that's always better. And it's like chasing Soap bubbles. I, I, I don't want us to chase soap bubbles. I don't want us to crave meat. I don't want us to, to go after a bread that isn't the bread of life that is Jesus Christ. I, I don't want us to go after the things that leave us empty. I want us to pursue the things that fulfill and that satisfy. And God says that that thing is his spirit. There was a reason why his tabernacle was at the center, and it's, and it's a reason why everything that God does is about making sure that we pursue that. And in Galatians chapter 5, look at what it says in verse 16 and 17. It says, I say to you, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Isn't that beautiful? And the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then it says, and these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out 
your good intentions. And I look at this verse and it just tells me that I need to stop chasing and stop pursuing the things that don't provide any real contentment. And I can't trust my nature because it's always driven towards those things that are actually not good for me. And so I need to pursue God and His Spirit. And I need to have that in my life. And I need to be like one of the 70 elders who was like everybody else, agreeing with the people and going to Moses and saying, like, the people are tired of eating the same thing, Moses. You need to give them more. And so God says, I'm going to do even better than that. I'm going to give you the spirit that is in Moses. I'm going to put it in you. And it wasn't enough because the flesh wants what the flesh wants, and it battles against what the spirit wants to do and what God desires to do in us. And so every time you feel yourself just going towards the wrong thing, desiring the wrong thing, pursuing the wrong thing, going after something that will not satisfy you, remember the story and say, God, I want your spirit instead. Just, just say, God, I need you instead. I need you to fill me up instead. And then God's going to clarify your motives. He's going to clarify your intentions. And more importantly, He's going to give you prophecy over your life and over the life of others. And the Spirit of God isn't just going to lead you. You're going to be able to lead others into a life of blessing and contentment. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only He can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.